if somebody wants to build upon name recognition, proven systems, websites, all the little things that you don't think of when you're starting a company, mobile apps, all of that stuff is provided for them. If you're considering starting your own business, then these kind of questions must have popped into your head. What do I actually need? How do I set this up? How do I set that up? Do I actually have a list of all the things I need to set up? And the person you were listening to is Will Springer and the solution that he's talking about that really solves all these questions is franchising. So if you're like me and you know it exists out there and you know you can own your own McDonald's or a barbershop or a gym, but you don't really know all the details and you were always curious to know more, this episode will give you everything you need to know as background from franchising, including the fact there are actually a lot more options than fast food restaurants and gyms. As always, we're also going to discuss Will's personal entrepreneurial journey and also the tools that he's using in his business to scale up and be more successful. You're listening to the E-Tribe podcast series, a podcast that inspires people to pursue their passions and become better at what they do. I'm Isar Matis, a serial entrepreneur myself, and I'm sitting down with other members of the E-Tribe, entrepreneurs, e-commerce experts, e-marketers, and other e-people. We come from different industries and different places around the world. Together, we discuss challenges, solutions, lessons learned, and tools which help us be more effective and make an impact in our world. Hello, and welcome back to the E-Tribe podcast series. Today, we're doing something really different than I think every other episode that we did. We always talk about starting a business, growing a business that you already have. A lot of people out there want to have their own business. You're inspiring to have a business or you want to move to a different business than the business you've been through in the last 20 years. The problem is, first of all, fear. Like, how do I start a business? How do I find out what I need? What processes? What systems? How do I hire people? How do I set things up? Payroll, all these things that has to be there in order to have a business. It's really scary when you have none of these things and you need to figure it out. So there's an option out there. The option out there is franchising. So there's companies out there who have figured it out for you. They have a system in place. They have processes in place. They have training in place. But then you're like, oh, franchising. Yeah, this is fantastic. I'll go and be a franchisee. But they're like, okay, a franchisee of who? Of what? And then you start searching for franchising opportunities and there's a gazillion of them through you back in square one in that scary mode of like, how do I choose? How do I start? Which industry? What kind of business? What resources do I need? So I'm very excited to tell you that I didn't know that until a few weeks ago, but now I do. There's people like our guest today, Will Springer, who are, for lack of a better term, matchmakers. He knows the franchising world, and he know what franchisees have to have in order to be a successful franchisee, and he helps them through this research process, and that's what he does for a living, which I find amazing if you're in 
the situation right now where like, I want to start a business, but I don't really know where to start. So, Will, I'm so excited that I got to meet you. It's a whole new world I personally was never exposed to other than knowing it's an option. And I'm really, really glad that you can join us here at the E-Tribe today. Wow, it's my pleasure. It really is. I'm very happy to be here. Thank you. Before we dive into franchising, tell us a little bit about yourself, about your personal and professional journey that got you to be in that role that you're doing today. Right, because I didn't even know this role existed until a few years ago. (laughs) I was born and raised in New York, but I've also lived in Miami and Washington, D.C., but I call Los Angeles home, and this is where I've been for a number of years. This is where my whole family is. I have a wide variety of experiences in my background, including nonprofits, including uh, PR companies, and a lot of sales, mostly in the technology space. And I know what it's like to work for large corporations and just sort of feeling lost, feeling like I don't know what my next move is. Do I want a promotion? Is it worth it? Do I want my boss's job? Maybe yes, maybe no. Or even worse, what I call the Sunday night blues, when it's the thought of going to work in the morning just sort of gives you this heavy feeling in the pit of your stomach. I went through that pretty recently. And that's when I said, there's got to be another way. There's got to be something that's better for me out there. But I have all of these years invested in the corporate track. What else can I do? So I started researching franchises. It made <laughs> sense to me. It made sense that I, I could grow a company or a number of units. I could take people under my wing. I would feel a tremendous amount of satisfaction with that. And perhaps that would be my retirement fund at the end. It just sort of logically made sense. Sure. And then, of course, the questions we'll get into in a little bit is which one and how do you sort of navigate these waters of, as you said, it's not a gazillion, it's 4,000 plus franchises in, 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 in the United States that span over 90 industries. So it's a lot. Most people, when they think franchises, oh, McDonald's, Subway, you know, the quick service restaurants, but that's literally just one small fraction of, of the whole space. Amazing. So how, okay, so now you're searching yourself. How did you go from searching yourself to being this matchmaker in this industry? I met with several people who are franchise brokers like myself. It's we're match. It's corporate matchmaking, if you will. But fair. I actually like the term franchise recruiter. I think that really describes it better. Okay. Than anything else, because we're recruiting high qualified individuals on behalf of the franchise systems, and they're the ones that pay us, not the clients who are who are looking or exploring options. I think that's a critical distinction. So I went through the process with several different people and I went back and forth in terms of what I was looking for, what's important to me and the dials that we use such as work-life balance or do I want to be in a place that's open on weekends and all of these key criteria, what I focused in on quite frankly or candidly as as a single dad was flexibility with my schedule. 
And this particular role gives me tremendous flexibility more than anything else. I'm not beholden to a, uh, anybody else's schedule but my own. I can work it around my daughter's schedule and that just works for me and that's worth a million bucks. Amazing. And I agree with you, obviously, I think. And again, I think one of the beauties in what you do is, and I assume, and again, we'll get to it in a minute, you're half a psychiatrist, right? You, you start by understanding the person and their needs and then figuring out what's the right setup for them, even if in their mind, initially they thought McDonald's, like, well, what you're telling me is not really a good fit for a McDonald's franchisee. You're better off with one, two, and three. But with that, what I really want to do is I want to take you for a second to a 30,000 foot level. Sure. Let's say I know nothing about the world of franchising and franchisees. Describe the concept to me. What is franchising? Franchising yeah. on a 30,000 foot level is an opportunity for an individual person to become a business owner using the corporate brands that they know of but responsible for their small individual component of it. They're buying into a larger system. So they get all the benefits of the large organization, the name recognition, the proven models of success, the systems, the support. That's a very big piece of it. And it allows them to, almost from day one, start earning money in, in a new business, something probably they've never done before, and just following somebody else's recipe for success as opposed to starting your own business and just sort of going through, what do I do next? And they usually say, I haven't done that from scratch. I know you have, but I haven't done that. And usually they say the cost of the mistakes, that's, that's what's so just uh, detrimental. Whereas if you're following somebody's recipe, for success, I mean, you have 10 people who bake a cake the same way. There may be small variances in it, but for the most part, the cake is pretty good and the cake is the cake. And, th and that's what this is. So you're capitalizing on all of their resources, their shared experience, their large volume discounts, training, their network, and, and, and a underlying support from a parental organization that helps you run your business and thrive. And you're, you have a protected territory and that varies depending upon the category, but you have your little piece of the pie and it allows you to be a business owner and all the joys that come with that and everything else, of course. Brilliant. Uh, okay, so now, now let's ask the next question, which is why? right? So what are the benefits? You touched on a few, right? There's I a did, system yes. in place, but what are the pros and cons of being a franchisee versus I just going to do my thing and start my own business? Well, let's start with the cons because I, I, I think everybody jumps to what's the worst case scenario. Like, why would I want to sign a long-term contract? Why would I want to not be I want to be able to choose the best supplier that I can. I want to make my own choices. I don't want to be dictated and regulated by this franchising company. And of course, the reason they do that is because they want to provide a level of consistency from unit to unit throughout the entire nation or throughout the world. So they want things to taste the same way, look the same way, smell the same way, and they want the, the quality to be the same. So there's all of these processes that are set in place to create consistency. So if someone doesn't work well in that sort of confined space, 
franchising may not be for them. However, if somebody wants to build upon uh, name recognition, proven systems, websites, all the little things that you don't think of when you're starting a company, mobile apps, all of that stuff is provided for them. So you can have somebody who is working a desk job for 10 or 15 years, whether it be in sales, marketing, accounting, medical field, but they have an interest in, it could be technology, it can be computer education, it could be a service company like pest control or, or, or green companies. All of these things with a little bit of training they can go and they can be the subject matter expert and they can start their own company very quickly. I can't think of anything else that allows you mid-career to make that immediate switch and transition to something. Most of the time when you're applying as an employee from one job to another, you're kind of pigeonholed within that space. Tell me what you did lately and you can try and write a cover letter to tell the story of why you'd be good for this job even though your past experience doesn't match it. No, no, no. With franchising, all of those problems just absolutely fundamentally go away. Okay. So again, I think the biggest benefit is it's served to you on a silver platter, right? So here's how the business absolutely. is Absolutely. Here's how other people made their, and you use the term units, so I will use the same term. Here's other unit owners have done this very successfully. Uh, hence why it should work for you if you follow the guidelines. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that doesn't come free. So how much does it cost to get that fantastic benefit. And it's a very obvious benefit, again, as somebody who started several businesses. It's a huge benefit when somebody has, like you said, it's not even things you think about. It's all the things you don't think about when you start a business and you find out when it's already in the game and in the stress, like, oh my God, we totally didn't think about whatever the case may be. You know, workers comp. You know, I I just made it up, but it's just like, we need workers comp. Yeah. You need workers comp. If you're hiring full time, like how do I get like, where does, so now you have to spend time researching and finding out and getting. So I think all the In real estate, even, where should you go? How yeah. do you set it up? Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, who's going to help you with that? Usually you've got your set of skills and you're really good at it, but there are things that you probably could be good at, but you've never done them before. For sure. So what's the so, cost? How much does it cost? That's a great question. We really, I mean, the funding, everyone always asks, how much is it going to cost and how much am I going to get back? So let's take a few moments and peel that, that onion, if you will. Sure. And actually, there are franchises that are cheap, let's say 25 to 50,000 all in starting. And then you have franchises that are hundreds of thousands all in, in terms of building out a restaurant or equipment and labor. And then there are specific breakdowns of costs that are how much money will it take to open your door? And that includes, that could include construction and hardware, machinery, technology, architecture, all these little things. And then there are how much will it take to get going and to really just sustain until you become profitable. Those are separate numbers. And there's no correlation between the initial outlay and how much money you're going to get back. So it doesn't work like that. You can buy a wonderful franchise 
all in max expenses for $100,000 and that can yield significant higher return on investment than the larger ones. So I think the question is, what's, it's not what is the best franchise, it's what's the best franchise or business opportunity for you. Everybody has their own individual needs and goals. They, they, everybody wants to work different hours, different times, and uh, some people love networking, some people hate networking, and they want to do what's best for them. And they know how much money they need, how much money they want, and they want to know that it's going to grow and it's going to afford them to take off however many weeks they want to take off and live a lifestyle that they want to live. And what's it going to take to do that? So the best way I can really answer your question is to define the different components of funding a franchise and how that works. So the first piece is the straight up franchise fee. What is the fee for them basically to get you on board? So, and, and what's included in the franchise fee? Maybe I should also list it out. So there's the franchise fee, which is upfront. There's the royalties, which is ongoing. Then there are marketing or advertising, which is usually a small percentage. So the royalties and the marketing, that's on an ongoing basis. Most of them, or many of them, I should say, they're scalable depending upon as you get going, it slides, or in some cases, it slides down. Each franchise is different. And there's no right or wrong, rhyme or reason. The only thing that's absolutely critical is that you understand the rules of the particular franchise that you're thinking of investing in or partnering with. And sure. all of that is spelled out in the franchise disclosure document, the FDD. So one of the things I do is help people go through systematically the, that entire document, which can be 250, 300 pages, because oh it literally outlines how much money does it cost to get going? What are your obligations? And every little thing that you talked about, whether it be search engine optimization or hardware and this and that, every line item is spelled out. And it has to be. It's, it's, it's required by the FTC in simple English, by the way. There are 23 different components. But we're talking about funding, not about the FDD. But uh, I just want to let you know that it's all, it's all there. So the franchise fee, which is the first part, that, that handles, I like to say, and I think this is an important point, franchise companies are not making money from the franchise fee. That is just basically the cost of bringing you up to speed so that you can go represent them and, and, and begin their, that next business wing, that new partner. Uh, and they want you to succeed. They're invested in having you succeed because, quite frankly, if you fail, they have to disclose that in the franchise disclosure document, and they don't want that. So good companies, they know what it takes. So there's a fair amount of training that goes in. In some cases, not all, but in some, that's usually going to corporate and someone from corporate coming to help you as you get going. Now, there are different franchises. Some are at home and base, and um, the, the larger ones require office space, or some even require storefronts. So I'm trying to group all of these and, and answer yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, for sure. The way franchising companies make money, that's the royalty. That's when they take a small percentage, whether it be 5 or 8%. Some industries are more, but that's about an average but so that's, as, that's off the top line or that's, that's off, off the top line. Absolutely. Okay. That's a little scary. <laughs> yes and no. I mean, you're, you're, that's, that's the peace of mind. So that is, and in each case you're getting a lot for that. And in, in many cases you're getting 
oh, if someone sees your brand, they know what you do, and they're, yeah, yeah. you're getting additional business from that as well. So you really have to evaluate that in both ways. Is it worth the, the piece of the pie? That's the question. Yeah, no, what listen, I, I get it. I understand what you're yeah. saying. You're saying if I had to set it all up myself, it would have cost me more than 10% of the top line to sure. have all the system in place, processes in place, people to do the work, and, and so on. So I, I totally get what you're saying. I totally get it. Uh, okay, so you, you touched a little bit about the, the FDD. I did. What is it? I mean, you kind of said very large document. I assume everybody gets one and that's the dotted line you have to sign to really be on board. Is that correct? That is correct. So that is the, that's what the, the legal definition, uh, if there's a franchise disclosure document, the FDD and, and other paperwork, that's what, that's the definition of this is a franchise. So, and there are a lot of rules that are surrounding it, including everything is spelled out it, in layman's terms how much every, where is every dollar going? What is the franchising company obligating themselves to you? And what are you saying you're agreeing to in order to do that? So there, there are no surprises. They will tell you, they have to tell you if there's um, any legal issues, if, if they're being sued, all of that stuff must be disclosed. There are different variations. Most about half the states have, have their own particular rules um, that need uh, modification. So that's why it's so lengthy because they have to say, well, what happens in Washington state and New York state, and they have to be compliant in all of those different states. And that's why a lot of the emerging brands that I'm representing, they're not in all the states yet. They're just sort of getting their feet wet and they're still, they're still growing. I mean, they're in what we call the entrepreneur or the partner level. I mean, there are different levels. Some, I mean, actually, I'd like to take a moment and talk about that. And when you think of companies or franchises, if you will, the very budding stage, we call that the entrepreneur level. That is some company that has between zero and 20 units. And the next level up from 20 to 70, that's the partner phase where the entrepreneur level is when they're really getting their feet wet. They're really locking in their training and getting everything set because it's great. Usually the franchisors, they've done this and that's wonderful for them, but it's only works if somebody else who's not a family member or a friend can replicate the same level of success. They have to prove the model. And that's what happens in the entrepreneur level from 20 to 70 is okay. Now we're firing on all systems. Maybe we're getting one to two units uh, a month and we're really rocking and rolling. So that would be the partner level. And then when you think of the larger companies, then it's 70 to about 500. And that's what we call the plug and play. So that's just, you're, you're a number, but you have your support, you have your dedicated staff, they know what they're doing. And, you know, they are operations of, of efficiency and scale, and they're going to get you up and running real quickly. And then of course you have the subways of the world, the McDonald's of the world. I, we call that on the empire level. That's just yeah, yeah, yeah. on another stratosphere. So. Very interesting. I, I want to ask you a question that is more on what you do, which I think is incredible. Walk us a little bit through the process, right? Because everything you said just makes what I said in the beginning, A, more interesting as an opportunity, but B, more scary because there's so many options and I don't really know how to choose. 
So what's really the, the service that you provide and why or how does it help people kind of go through the decision-making tree to find one, if it's even for them, and two, if it is for them, what's the right options for them or how does the process work? Absolutely. Okay, so as a franchise recruiter, when people come to me and it's whether it's friends of a friend, people have seen some marketing collateral online, they, they don't even know what they're looking for. They don't even know what to ask. They know they like the idea of a franchise and they, oh, I have a passion in baking. If you have a passion in baking, then you probably shouldn't have a business in it because you're going to lose your passion <laughs> very quickly. But if you're skilled, at, whether it be customer service or sales, leadership and vision, customer success or interaction, if you identify the key components, then someone like me can, I, can say, you would be good at an opportunity like this. So I go through a very lengthy list of questions to genuinely get to know people. What are they looking for? What's important to them? Short-term, long-term. Do they have a preference whether they, they're in the B2B space or in the B2C space? Do they want a product or a service? When do they want to work? Do they need to, is it important to them, for example, to do the actual work of the business? Like I'm not a trained barber, but I could own a barber shop or, sure. or, or a children's salon. And, and some people think, well, I want to be able to jump in if, if one of my employees doesn't show up, I want to be able to fill that void if you can. And I say, I get it. I appreciate that. That shows strong leadership. But if you own the LA Dodgers and your star hitter gets sick and misses it, that doesn't mean you're going to take batting cuts. It just doesn't work that way. You have other people for that. You're going to, you hire the managers. You, you have a backup system in place. And that's what it is. You are, you're managing the managers almost in all cases as, as, as a franchisee. And, and, and I, one of the, the first few questions I ask people is, do they want to be a hands-on owner or do they want to be passive or semi-passive? And each of those have different components, basically how involved in the business do you want to be on a weekly basis? So, and, and there's no right or wrong, it's what's right for them. Some people, they're perfectly happy getting one ice cream shop or whatever the case may be, running one residential maid service, and, and that's all they, other people, they're like, I wanna grow. I wanna be a, a little mini master franchisor and I wanna buy a big territory and I wanna help people build this up, and that's, that's great too. So I, I love to get to know people and ask them what they're looking for. What, how would they define success? I mean, the, the money is there, but you have to like what you do and it's gotta feel right and you've gotta find a company that works for you. And of course, I'm pretty proud of this. I really only work with the best of, of the best franchises in terms of those who have, yes, they solid financials. I mean, that, that, that's a given. They've got a proven track record. They've got brand successes, but they also have, they're professional, they're responsible, they're easy to talk to and relate with, and they just get it. And working with a franchise broker, you're not starting off at that low level. You're starting off at a pretty high level within that organization. 
Wow. Kind of went off topic on you a little bit. No, you got I, me going on one of my favorite the topics. Is, the thing is, I have so many follow-up questions, and I, I hate firing them out because then you forget what I asked. So I'll, I'll, I'm taking I'll, notes. Don't worry. <laughs> I'll try to. I have one kind of a side question that is kind of like stuck in my head from the moment you started, and I'm sure a lot of people ask that. What's the out? I started, I joined a franchise, I'm in for a year, it doesn't work out for me. Can I get out or is there like horrible penalties of getting out? The, the answer is yes, you can get out. So franchise companies, they don't want you to close because they have to disclose that. So they will work with you to sell the business. And that, that is the, that, that's the most common way of getting out. That's the easiest way to, to getting out. That's what it's really, it's a partnership between the franchisor and the franchisee. So yes, you're signing a 10 year contract. In some cases it's longer, but if you do need to get out, you, there are ways to do it. And that, that's the, that's the most obvious one. Okay. My next question has to do, you mentioned a few kinds of companies. And again, most people like me who've never been in the franchising world, I know two, three, four kinds, you know, the sports clips, you know, barber shops, small restaurants, hotels, obviously. So the big names that you know, but you mentioned a few that I don't think anybody knows about. So if you can kind of break it out, maybe not to the names, but to the industries or the types of businesses that offer today franchising opportunities. Almost anything and everything you can think of really? can be franchised. Interesting. No, forget uh, about can be, but available today. It, it is available. It could be everything from IT support. I'm trying to think of like the bigger categories, staffing, that, that's a big one. Security, both commercial and residential, senior care and health care, professional services, the sign companies, the print copy mail, pet care, animal care, pest control, moving and storage, management training, all sorts of business coaches, home improvements and services. That's a gigantic category. And as you said, most people think of food and beverage. That's the big one. And the other big one is fitness. Yeah. Although, although that one is getting absolutely uh, deeply affected by COVID. So perfect we'll about, segue sure. because my next question was, what are the changes, trends that happened in the last few years, but definitely what are the changes that happened in the last three or four months since COVID started? I assume people are looking for lower risk, work from home, options and i wonder how many of these exist today how many of the franchisors made the change to like oh we'll accommodate this and that changes in our very structured rigid system so people can work from home so i'm very curious i'm please enlighten me <laughs> sure uh, there were a couple of questions in that. And I'll take one at a time. By the way, a, a sign of a good franchising company or franchisor is that they help their franchisees adapt. And for example, like a quick service restaurant, when everything was shut down, started selling gloves and masks and, and cleaning supplies that they can get wholesale and, and just sort of change their business model to make money coming in and help the community and help them survive. And, and, and this is a big question. What are the big trends right now in a COVID, or I should say post-COVID world? Automotive is doing very well. Home care, 
that and what I mean by home care, there, there's senior home care and then people, that whole model, if you think about what happened with nursing homes and everybody who got uh, uh, coronavirus, I mean, it was just decimated. There, there's been a trend to help mom and dad or your family members stay at home longer and have people come in and, and, and provide proper assistance for them, whether it be cooking or cleaning or in some cases even medical. As, as the baby boomer population is just getting older. However, after what happened with coronavirus, that particular segment is just exploding. And and what makes it such a an unbelievable model is it's, you don't need a storefront. You need a small offer somewhere. So there is sure. very, very little upfront costs and fees. And, and the opportunity for growth is just tremendous. Speaking of COVID, we've got some of the sanitizing and deep cleaning companies they're thriving right now. And, and the everything, people spending so much time at home, so they're improving their homes. They may do makeovers and home improvement companies, whether it be kitchens, kitchens is a big one, or, or and bathrooms as well. So they're like, as long as we're spending so much, we're not going on vacation, we can't go anywhere. So why don't we take that money and redo the kitchen or something? I've, we've seen that as a trend as well. Interesting. I want to ask a question that goes beyond what you just said. And I don't know if you know, I'm just personally curious. And I think it's kind of piggybacking on what you just said. Okay. So my kids, probably like most kids in America, love Chick-fil-A. They absolutely love it. We have a Chick-fil-A down the street from us on a main busy road that always made a killing. I mean, it was always packed. Kids were always playing in their little play yard in the front of the store. It was always successful. To me, they made an amazing switch to amplify their drive-through that is just mind-blowing. And I don't know if you've been in one, but they if I have to figure out, and again, I'm a business guy, I drive to these things, numbers starts going through my head, they're making a lot more money right now than they did before, in theory. And why do I say in theory? They they still have the rent. Or the mortgage, right, for the building, which is by definition their biggest expense. Do you think that these kind of companies are now rethinking their business model? To me, if Chick fil A came to me tomorrow and said, Hey, listen, you can open a drive through Chick fil A, there's no restaurant. I'm like, Huh, why? Exactly because of what you said the initial investment is significantly lower. The ongoing expenses are significantly lower. The amount of issues that can go wrong, you know, the chair broke, the table is crooked, the whatever, all of this goes away. And your profit margins goes up because you don't have all that overhead. Right, you're going to Chick-fil-A. Do you think there's companies who do that right now who are saying, huh, we should reconsider the way we do business and the way we allow franchising to happen in order to serve a different kind of future? Absolutely. There, there are companies, quick service restaurants, that they basically are in the zip code for the Uber Eats and for Postmates and all of these other companies. So they come up on the screen, but they're off the beaten path because they know all that food is for delivery. 
So as long as they're in the zip code, they, they come up and they don't have any of that huge expense of, of the restaurant. They're almost just, it's a, it's a restaurant. It's almost like a catering company Yes, made to order. So that's a big change. I think all these companies are, are, they have to change in terms of just what it takes to stay viable and stay successful. Chick-fil-A is a good example. I think with any fast food or quick service restaurant, to use the proper term, I, I think the biggest metric is how much of their food is going out the door. How much are they prepared to do? I think that that criteria has the importance of that criteria has changed significantly in the last ever since COVID. And I think that's going to be a test of who becomes successful and 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 who makes it and who doesn't. Very interesting. I have one follow-up question to this. And again, it's just me running through my head with what I see in these <laughs> I love it. It's, bring it on. How much do franchisees have the opportunity to change and impact the business model because they're seeing success? I mean, I think the most famous story that I've heard, and I actually heard it on a podcast many years ago, is the $5 sub. Mm-hmm. It's a franchisee of subway that subway. started it on his own in the miami area and like huh interesting it works and then he did it in several different restaurants and then eventually it caught up not just subway but the whole country started selling five dollar stuff you right. know he went to pizza and burgers and whatever everybody went to five dollars because it was suddenly a benchmark how much does a franchisee really have an opportunity to say hey guys look i'm doing this it's working let me help you, the, the, the franchising company, the franchisor, replicate this. So A, do they have even the opportunity to do that? And B, if they do have that opportunity, do they get rewarded somehow for improving the overall company? It's a great question. Some of it I'm, I, I can answer. Some of it I just don't know. Okay. I, I don't know about the $5 subway or in, in the history of that. But in general... The larger, the, the number of units, when I talked about those at the plug and play level and the empire level, in general, those are the individuals that, that have less ability to do anything creative compared to on the entrepreneur level. And if there are only 10 units, sure. you, can, you can renegotiate. You can say maybe it's, it's soda. They want to have an all natural soda product or you, you can be a lot more flexible with that. Sure. But the larger the company, the tighter the controls. That's just a standard uh, across the board philosophy. Makes sense. Before we end, I usually give all my the people that I interview, all the guests, an opportunity to share tools and resources that they like to use to help them in their businesses or that made an impact on their business. Books you've read, apps that you use, software platforms that help you be more productive, Etc. Anything that really helps you on the day to day or helped you through your professional journey, please share. Um, the biggest uh, change I've made was when I started using Keep K E A P as my CRM because it, it's my business line. There's a tremendous amount of automation in terms of follow up and emails and customization that has just made my life easier, keeping track of a pipeline. My business is a volume business, so I need to keep track of um, each individual 
and I'm good at taking notes. I'm good at really understanding what motivates them. And after I do an interview with somebody and I get to know them, I'll ask them, do you think I have a good idea of who you are and where you are at this point of your career? And then I need to call, recall upon that before my next conversation. So I'm right in that space and I know what's going to drive their decision. I mean, these are big decisions that people are making. For no sure. one's making it quickly. These things take time. There's a tremendous, we haven't talked about the due diligence process and, and how people find out how much they're going to make by doing phone calls. And I enjoy working with, with my clients during that process to come up. How do you evaluate a business opportunity in Indianapolis if you're in Houston? Some yeah. things are the same and some things aren't going to be the same, but we sure. can ask a set of questions to help them make an informed decision whether or not it's going to be a good opportunity. By the way, for me, that is so rewarding. At the end of this process, when somebody goes through, they've spent the time, they've done their homework, they've properly evaluated the company, and they said yes. I mean, let's face it. You asked at the very beginning of this, you talked about what are the risks. You're going to have to take a risk on something. Okay. And for me, I left a big corporate job in order to, to, to do this. But at the end of the day, I chose uncertainty over unhappiness. And that has made the biggest difference. I love how you coined it because I made the same exact decision. I wasn't able to explain it in two words though. <laughs> <laughs> that from a book, but it was like, that's exactly what I did. I, I, I chose uncertainty over unhappiness. I mean, what do we call it? Take the road less taken and it's yes. made all the difference. That's, that, that's really what it is. You're going to have to take a chance on something. So you might as well take a chance on yourself. That, that's what I like to say. I love it. So you said keep... As a CRM, oh, any other yeah. great resources? Um, Tools, apps, books. I'm constantly reading different books, whether I don't know if I should plug them or, but anything that helps keep me positive, positive and motivated in terms of uh, communicating better and understanding people better. I'm in a people business. Sure. So anything that helps me relate to people on a, uh, whether it's new technology, whether it's learning more about podcasts, I think that's the most important thing. However people get their news, their information, and get educated, that's where I need to be. And that's what I, I just love exploring that and helping people make decisions that are really going to change their lives and their careers forever. It's so unbelievable. Give me, give me one great book that you've read in the last year that, I'm like, that you're like, oh my God, this is, if you need to read one to understand people better, that's the one. Just Listen. Just that listen. was the one, just listen and, and the value of not interrupting anybody, the value of asking a follow-up question and doing a deep dive discovery and letting the conversation evolve and evolve until you really understand where they are. If you don't understand what, how a person makes decisions, they're never, you're never going to get them to make a decision on, on a big thing such as, do I want to invest and become a partner in this franchising organization? So understanding how people make decisions is just a critical piece of, of, of what I do. And, Phenomenal. Uh, and I, By the way, I, I think it's a critical portion of what everybody does. So I don't I, care I, if you're in sales. I don't care if you're, unless you're a self-entrepreneur tech guy that writes codes in the basement. And, and, even, <laughs> and, even then, and then eventually you need to sell the thing. So you need to still communicate right. with people. I think eventually understanding how to communicate with people in a way that is A, makes them feel comfortable, B, is productive, 
is critical to any person. And that I don't care. And definitely any person in business, but for sure, any person in any environment. Brilliant. I love it, Will. I think this was so yes, educational, so interesting. How do people find you? How do people find your agency, website, LinkedIn, social media? My thank you. My company is SMG Franchising, so they can go to smgfranchising.com. And if they want to book an appointment or just talk to me, the easiest thing to do is very, very complicated URL speakwithwill.com. <laughs> That's it, speakwithwill.com, and there will it'll be a link to my calendar, and, well, and then uh, we can easily set up an appointment. Phenomenal. This was brilliant, very interesting, totally off the beaten track for me because I've never done anything in the franchising world, so I, I hope it will be interesting for other people. And I think what you're doing is amazing. I think you're helping... In many ways, you're like me, right? You're trying to help other people build a successful business and you find a path that helps you connect people with the right solutions for them, which is, I find, inspiring. It's, it's really, really great. Well, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much for this opportunity to talk about franchising, to talk about the matching process and what makes a, a franchise better than others, if you will, and how to help people find which will be the best franchise for them. So I really appreciate your time and I appreciate your listeners for, for listening. Amazing. Thank you so much, Will. You're very welcome. Interesting, right? I didn't know almost any of this before I did the interview with Will and I hope you learned as much as I did. If you're looking for a shortcut and looking for a way to get into an active business or maybe you're in a business and you want to change career and start a new one, there's a phenomenal episode we did actually a pretty long time ago with John Malayim that's called Mergers and Acquisitions 101, the ultimate guide if you ever thought of selling a business or just curious about it. You can easily find it just by scrolling back on your podcast player and looking for that episode. Or if you also want a detailed article that's connected with it, you can go to theetribe.com forward slash five. If you're currently in a business and just looking for ways to run it more effectively by using the right tools, software, and tricks, I highly recommend that you check out two episodes that we've done. One is episode 25 that is called Small Business Management Software, a Digital Transformation Strategy. It gives a list of all the tools that we use at the eTribe to run our business more effectively and more efficiently. It also has an amazing article with links to all these tools where you can find on the eTribe website at theetribe.com25. Another similar episode which you will probably enjoy and can benefit from if you're looking for tools for productivity and efficiency is episode 14 and the name of that episode was the top 15 free productivity apps, tools and tips for 2020 and you can find that one at theetribe.com forward slash 14 or again just scroll back and find that episode on your podcast player and until next time have a wonderful week hey tribers i hope you enjoy this great interview if you have please share this with your friends and your colleagues if you would like access to similar content or you would like to get the notes and the resources mentioned in this interview please visit us at theetribe.com 
where you can find other great interviews like this one, as well as many resources and tools which can help you grow or start your business. We would love it if you would join the eTribe, either as a member or as a contributor. You can do that on the website as well. I hope you would listen to us next time, and until then, have a great day.